This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Wow. The bird is the word. Nine and one. But before I get into the Colts game and their latest trade, not trade, but acquisitions, uh, I got to give more thoughts on the Eagles and Commanders. I think I mentioned the Casey 2L thing, how he was doing the gritty. <laughs> I think he did the little gritty and wave thing like Jalen Hurts did at first, and then he just kept grittying, and then all the other people joined him. I was like, all right, all right, now we're going too far. Uh, Heineke shushing the crowd and telling them to shut the F up. I'm like, and them getting drunk on the plane and then pro- and then getting fined for it, I'm pretty sure – that was the punishment that the commanders handed out. Pretty sure. Because what else are you going to do? Make them run or something? What else are you going to do? Suspend them? Come on. That was probably the punishment. They probably got fined. So, yeah. They had a good old time on the plane. Heineke was wearing chains. Man. Oh, man. Somebody need to snatch those chains so badly. And then, you know, I see a lot of people wearing Commander's jersey, everyone putting their left hand up. And I'm just like, man, just y'all doing the most, bro. I know it's a big win. It's a big win. You ended our undefeated streak. You're back in the playoff race. But come on, man. Y'all act like y'all won the Super Bowl. And we know you haven't seen that since 1992. So put your left hand down and know your role. Also, Terry McLaurin went off. Terry McLaurin went off. He had 16 fantasy points. Thankfully, in the fourth quarter, we finally figured out how to take him out of the game because he he was killing it. He had over 100 yards receiving. And part of it was good throws by Heineke. But these guys were were going in, man. We it was classic Terry McLaurin. He was the only one really doing anything for real. Everybody else, you know, they caught a pass here and there on third down. And that's another thing we couldn't stop the Commanders on third down, and that was really surprising. And if it was third and short, they'd run it. If it was third and medium, they threw it in in the zone. Or if it was man. Terry McLaurin would beat them, whoever was uh, covering them. Whoever was covering Terry, you know, that's who they throw it to. Just drove me insane. And also, you know what I realized? This is just like last year. Remember that the Commanders started off, I don't know, 2-6, and 2-5, and five, something like that. Kind of like this year. And then they won some close games. And they came into the Buccaneers game as home underdogs. <clears throat> and they won that, and that was a big win. And they had all the Commanders fans going crazy. I was at that game. If you want to hear my thoughts on that game, you can go back and check it out. I even mentioned it in my last show. And that was their signature win. And then I think they won again the next week. 
And then they lost to the Eagles on a Tuesday night, but they was missing half their team. And then they lost to the Eagles again two weeks later. And then it just all went downhill from there. Now, last year you could use COVID as an excuse. This year, when when your downfall comes, it will be no excuses. You'll have everybody, but you'll see that the Falcons, you're not going to beat the Falcons. You're going to split with the Giants. You definitely ain't beating the 49ers. You're not beating the Browns. You you can't stop Amari Cooper. Like, the Browns are more balanced than you think. And, and they got Deshaun Watson coming back. Oh, you done. You are finished. The Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys. Now, I, I would love for you to beat the Cowboys. That's definitely a winnable game. But I'm telling you. Don't get too hyped now. But they already got six wins. They beat the Texans yesterday, and I'm like, the Texans are much worse than I thought. Once you take away Damian Pierce, they are useless. They had no passing game. They really had no answer for the commander's D-line. That is requirement number one when you play the commanders. You can't let their D-line take over the game because – their offense ain't going to do anything. Don't make things easier for their offense. Don't let their offense play with a lead because you can't do anything against their D-line. and You can't score any points. How do you only have eight yards rushing if you're Damian Pierce? That just, that just said you're not blocking up front. And he had two interceptions. Man, this this blows me, man. Commander six and five. They're right in the mix. But like I said, if they reach the playoffs, the Eagles and the Vikings, who they were most likely play against, now they did play them well. I'll give them credit. They almost beat the Vikings and they actually beat the Eagles. Or they might even play the Cowboys again. But this time in Dallas, and you know. They don't be winning in Dallas. It, it doesn't look good for them at, at the end. But you know, the Banders fans hopeful. They putting on it. They putting up their left hand. But at the end of the day, when December, January come, they are gonna see what the real is. Anyway, on to the bird. On to the bird. Now, I guess as a fallout from the Eagles' loss to. The sitcom. They picked up Linval Joseph and Nadam Kinsu. Two, I was going to say mid-30s. Yeah, they, those guys are mid-30s. Linval is 31 and Nadam Kinsu is 34. Yeah. Two guys past their prime, but they're space eaters. We don't have Jordan Davis, and we're just getting killed up front. And those guys played immediately. Like, they immediately took snaps away from Fletcher Cox against the Colts. Now, Fletcher Cox still played. He still played. He still had somewhat of an impact. And uh, Milton Williams, too, one of our draft picks. But it was a move. It was a statement made that we're not going to keep getting gashed on the ground. We're not going to keep tolerating this because that's one of our weaknesses and we have a good chance of going to the Super Bowl. Like, why 
Are we just going to keep letting teams run the ball on us? And the first drive, it looked like the same thing that happened against the commanders. It was exactly what I was afraid of. Jonathan Taylor was going bananas. Jonathan Taylor looked like he was going to break a record. He looked like he was going to break a record. And he, he even scored. He even scored on the first possession. And I was like, oh, my God. This is going to be a long game. But thankfully, this is an NFL team. Thankfully, they was ready for this. Thankfully, they made adjustments. And Jonathan Taylor got half of his 84 yards in the first drive. So you know what that means, right? The Eagles running game tightened up. And thank God, because we needed it. I don't know how Jalen Hurts only through for 190 but he ran for 86 i know how i know how because nobody was open the colts have a much tougher defense than you would ever imagine it the defense is pretty tough i mean a defense with a defense with rodney mcleod and gilmore is gonna be tough and they got um they got the Forrest Buckner on the D line. Like these guys can play. And I realized that on Madden, bro. I, I could not it was tough going. It was tough going. And it was the same thing um yesterday. And also it doesn't help that the Eagles had a bunch of dumb penalties. Dumb holding penalties. Illegal man downfield. But mostly holding penalties on both sides of the ball. And that's just the thing that annoys me about the Eagles. Very talented offensive team. But it's just the penalties and the dumb play calling sometimes just blows my mind. And speaking of dumb play calling, Indianapolis Colts had all the momentum. They were up 7-0. And then they come back the next drive after we punt. And they throw the ball two straight times. Or they throw the ball. Yeah, they came out throwing the ball. You see you had success running the ball against us. You come out throwing. And that's where they messed up. They let us get back in the game. We went to halftime 10-3. Could have easily been 10-10 or 10-7. But, you know, it is what it is. The bird is 9-1. Hey, they they scored 14 in the fourth quarter because, well, we got we got a turnover. We get a turnover in like every game. No, that that AJ Brown fumble. Oh my God! See, this is the second game in a row. I'm not used to this team turning over the ball. This is the second time in a row that we had a critical fumble in the fourth quarter. AJ Brown fumble. Right after. We picked up a fumble of our own. The second week in a row this happened. And also a second week in a row, somebody got away with a face mask. Last week it was the commanders and it was critical and it helped them get three extra points. This time we got a key third down stop on Matt Ryan, but we grabbed this face mask and they missed it. Thank God. Because if they would have got that, 
We got the first down, and man, we might be down. Oh man, we might have been down twenty-three to ten instead of sixteen to ten, and we're talking about a completely different ball game. And even in the last minutes, we ran the ball a lot in the last minutes. And when it came down to the red zone and we weren't getting through and it was fourth and two at the freaking seven and we tried to draw them all sides, which is smart, get the cheap yards first, try to get the cheap yards first, but we couldn't. And then after that, they called timeout and I'm like, what play are they going to run? They go empty. I'm like, wait a minute. He's not about to throw this thing, is he? Is he? I kind of look at their defense. And I see kind of a hole. I see five guys in the box, maybe six. And I'm like, please run this. Please, Jalen, please run this. Their defense opened up like the Red Sea. And Jalen Hurts played the role of Moses and told the Colts, let that lead go. Easy money. I was really worried he was going to lose this game until we start making those critical third down stops, which, which we didn't do against the commander. They were getting to Matt Ryan. Now, we still, okay, the run defense improved because thank God, thank God, it improved. We stayed out of them third and shorts and even when we did you know we was able to hold firm it also helped that the Colts had their share of dumb holding penalties too hey great win I think we got the Packers next I know that this is the worst Packers team since 2008 I believe whenever whenever Aaron Rodgers was his first year starting the worst Packers team since then or maybe I, the year that he was out most of the season and uh, I think it was Matt Flynn that played, that doesn't count. This is the worst Aaron Rodgers-led Packers team since 2008. I still would not take them for granted, okay? They, they are capable of, they're definitely capable of coming into Philly and winning this game. Now, hopefully the bird doesn't play around and does their thing, okay? Because I, I just just can't. just can't, man. I just can't deal with another dumb loss. But if we do, hey, it's okay. Because at the end of the day, it's all about holding that Lombardi trophy. It's all about holding that Lombardi trophy. And the haters are still mad. The haters are still mad. They're still talking about our schedule. They're still saying we're frauds. They're putting us with the Giants. They're saying the Giants and the Eagles are frauds because the Giants got blown out at home by the Lions. Oh, I don't know what happened there, but yeah. But they're saying we're frauds. We're not that good. And then also doesn't help that the Cowboys beat the Vikings. 40 to 3. What? Damn! Game over. Bro, what?
You had one job. What is you doing? What are you doing? They definitely had the pieces to knock off the Cowboys. They are really talented running back. Now, here's the thing. Here's something I forgot about. They have a shaky O-line. And they got some rookies on that O-line. And these guys got terrorized by the commanders. And they just, their offense basically dried up from after the first drive until the fourth quarter against the commanders. The only reason they won that game is because commanders, I mean, they just went into their sitcom bag and they choked the game away. The Cowboys, they put their foot on their neck and they didn't let up. I kind of watched this game. I was at B-Dub, so I did a lot of looking at different games and talking to my friends. But from the little bit I saw, they were all over Kirk Cousins. He couldn't do anything. The running game, running game just not really there. The Cowboys definitely improved their run defense. But then when the Vikings did go back to pass, harassed. Micah Parsons looked like he was all over Kirk Cousins. And I'm just like, man, what in the world? What in the world? This is your game plan? It just looked like they were just dominated. They were just physically dominated. And it was like the commander's game, except the Cowboys took full advantage on offense. So now the Cowboys look dangerous. Now the Cowboys look like they're threatening the NFC East again, especially with the Giants losing. So, oh boy. The Vikings, I think the Vikings will be fine. They're still a really good team, but they better figure out this O-line thing fast. Because when they play those good teams in the playoffs, they don't come after Kirk Cousins. They don't come after him. So, you know, all these top teams look like they got a weakness. And at the end of the day, in the playoffs, when it comes to Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings, and even, you know, outliers like Tampa Bay or um, Lord Jesus, Maybe even Seattle or the 49ers. When it comes to outliers like those guys, like, it's just going to come down to, I guess, well, first of all, who wants it more? Second of all, who can take care of the ball? And, you know, who can execute the most? Pretty much. Because the weaknesses are clear with all three teams. But, man, the Vikings died. And now the Cowboys got them thinking they're possibly going to go to the Super Bowl. But, listen, you got the Giants on Thursday. And it just looks like you should kill the Giants. Especially since they have a mediocre at best passing game. However... Their defense is better than the Vikings. And it ain't going to be no throwing the towel game. You're going to have to fight for this one. I'm still sticking with the Giants. I got the Giants winning by one. 
Now I'll maybe I should give my the rest of my Thanksgiving predictions. I will. I will at the end. I'm going to freestyle something. I guess when I talk about my uh, FanDuel potential FanDuel or DraftKings selections, I will do that. But yeah, Cowboys won t- 43, and I- I'm shook. I-, I just I just can't believe it, man. I can't believe it. Now forget those Cowboys. Let's talk about the Cowboys of Oklahoma fake. I mean Oklahoma State. Man, they really thought. They made fun of us for losing to Texas. They made fun of us for losing to Garrett Green. Like, they made fun of us for being 5-5 five and five and losing our coach in the preseason. Now you can shut it because you came to Norman and you lost. And this is our worst team since 1998. Worst team since 1998. And you lost to them. <laughs> Trash. And you know that. Spencer Sanders is going to be undrafted for sure. But that ain't a bad thing. He can grind and end up on somebody's NFL roster. But it's he going to be undrafted. There is no way. I, did, I do not see NFL in this future. This dude cannot. I can't say he can't throw, but honestly, he's had games like that his entire college career where he just just careless with the ball. And I'm so glad he was so generous. You know what? Christmas came early for the Sooners. What? Four interceptions, three in the first half. One was he tried to throw it away. And our corner picked it off. He he tried to do that again, and he got away with it. But that time, he did not. One where his receiver was wide open, and Billy Bowman just came out of nowhere and picked it off. Another one where he tried to force a tight throw, and it got tipped, it got picked. And another one where he overthrew his receiver and right into the arms of our defender. Now, somehow, some way. This guy still threw, and I got it right here. This guy still threw for 389 yards, but he threw the ball 67 times. And I never really understood these guys' game plan because the Sooners haven't stopped the run all season, okay? They just have not. And these guys come out throwing the ball. They only ran the ball like two times in the first quarter, Oklahoma State. And I was like, no wonder why we're having such a great time with them. They come out throwing the ball, and this guy is inaccurate and inconsistent. Now, what turned the game around for Oklahoma State and what gave them somewhat of a chance is Spencer Sanders, he stopped throwing the ball in the tight coverage and tight zones. He started running. The Oklahoma Sooners, the 2022 Oklahoma Sooners, for some reason, can't stop quarterbacks from running. They just can't. They just let a quarterback last week get 100 and something yards rushed. So I'm not surprised that Spencer Sanders, he only rushed for 42 yards. But you got to realize in college that sacks count for negative rushing yards. But he was scrambling. He had 17 attempts rushing. Bro. 
He had more attempts rushing than all of his running backs combined. That is insane. That That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. But, you know, he kept drives alive with that. And also, let me talk about this offense. I mean, Eric Gray went from 200, however many yards, 200-plus yards against West Virginia to 90. It wasn't a lack of touches. He had 20 carries. And also, I I don't know where our offense went after the first quarter because they had 400 total yards. They had over 400 total yards, but Oklahoma did 434, but over half of it was in the first half. A good chunk of it was in the first quarter. They scored 28 in the third in the first quarter. And the offense got worse and worse and worse. By the fourth quarter, they were three and out only. Three and out only. They couldn't even they couldn't even get a third and two. They couldn't get a third and three. And I'm like, is is it Levy? Is it the offensive line? I know it's Oklahoma State defense ain't that good the way we were killing them in the first quarter and people were just running wide open. You know what Oklahoma State did? They went man-to-man, and for whatever reason, we couldn't we – had, we had trouble with that. They went man. We had no man-beaters. I guess that is Levy's fault. Also, Dylan Gabriel didn't take off and run like Spencer Sanders did, and when he did – he always got he got hawked down. He got hawked because he's slow. He's much slower than I could ever imagine. This dude is slower. I I was gonna make a joke. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Bro, this dude is slower than old school AOL dial up. Like, come on, man. This dude is slower than me post-pandemic. Now, at the end of the day, we won. Defense was outstanding. They just, well, it wasn't perfect. They still gave up a lot of yards. They still couldn't stop Spencer Sanders from scrambling. However, they kept him out of the end zone over and over and over again. And when when Oklahoma State cut it to 28-13, they, um, they made two really big sacks to pretty much seal that game. And after those two sacks, I left because <laughs> I was cold and miserable. But, you know, yeah, after the first quarter – it was tough watching that offense in the cold like that. It wasn't windy, but it, the cold was getting to me. You know, oh, my God. But it was good being back in Norman. It was good seeing my friends. It was good being at stadium, the lighting, the production, the fans. It was so much fun, man. Seeing the students and, and where I used to be, where I used to watch all my games. Seeing that student section being alive again, it was just great to watch. Um, Man, so much fun. Uh, taking a picture of Baker's statue, a contemporary of mine. Ooh, England scored again. I'll, I'll get to that later. But 
Baker Mayfield was at OU my last three years there. My last three years as a student, Baker Mayfield was a student as well. And he was playing for OU. And he almost won the Heisman while I was there. And to see him have a statue, one, kind of shows how old I'm getting. And two, just shows how legendary that time was. Now, if only we get a statue of Buddy, he may have fell short of that. But I, I would love that because he, he did about just as much as Baker. And these guys were around at the exact same time. But that's another topic for another day. But for now, glad the Sooners won. Oklahoma fake is defeated. And we are bowl bound. And right now, they got us in the Texas Bowl. And I'm like, that's great. We get to play SEC team. I'd be cool with that. Um, what? Oh, there's also the Independence Bowl, which we could play another SEC team. Also, um, the Cheez-It Bowl, which is a Russell Athletic Bowl, which will be ironic because I've compared this team to the 2014 team often. And I don't want to get embarrassed by an ACC team. But I'm looking at the ACC and I'm like, I don't see a team other than Clemson that can beat us 40 to 6. I just don't. Um, And then another bowl that we could possibly go to is the Alamo Bowl. I would love to do that. Because if USC loses their next two games, I assume the Notre Dame game and then the championship, then that means... They could slip and end up at the Alamo Bowl. I would love that. But if we lose and get embarrassed, I I don't know what to say. That would be the embarrassment. That would be the ultimate embarrassment for the 2022 OU Oklahoma Sooner fan. Lincoln Riley left us, went to USC, got Caleb Williams damn near in the Heisman, damn near in the playoffs. And if they lose and play us in the Alamo Bowl and then destroy us, oh, my God, I'm be sick. Man, I would be sick. Uh, we'll see. Real quick, OU basketball. Uh, we went to, so me, so me and, me and the guys, me and the guys from college, we went to, uh, me and my friends, we went to the OU basketball game against South Alabama. We came out slow. We started like one for 12. But we got back in it. We clawed back in it. We made it a respectable halftime deficit. And then at the beginning of the second half, we took the lead. And then from there, it kept going back and forth. Number four on South Alabama, uh, Moore, he was killing us. I knew from the first half when he was the first person to crack double digits in points. I was like, this guy going to score 25, and he scored exactly 25. Well, I said he was going to score at least 20, and he did. He killed us. However, we finally made the adjustment of putting Jalen Hill on him. And Jalen Hill is – because this, this number four kid had to been like 5'10", 5'11", at best. We put Jalen Hill on him. Jalen Hill – I'm a, I assume like 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, got long arms. He's not much of an offensive guy. But on defense, he's legit. 
and he took him out of the game in the, down the stretch. Now, we grabbed the lead because, like, this, okay, here's the thing about OU basketball, which is going to worry me. This is not a great offensive team, still. Sherfield, Sherfield is going to do most of the scoring. Like, he got the moves. He got the step backs. He, he shoots a nice mid-range jumper. He's good at getting to the rack. Um, Then you got the Groves brothers, Tanner and Jacob, right? I think Jacob's number 35. He plays the most. Uh, the way they run their offense is he's in the top of the key and he has the option to shoot that wide open three or pass it and cut. Honestly, he got most of his points from the post. He made one three. He was like one for nine from three. But when he's hitting that three, that just adds a dimension to our offense that just makes it hard to stop. Because then you're going to force the defense to play up. And then we got kickouts. We got people cutting to the lane. I see what they're trying to do. But it's just sometimes it just doesn't work. And it just looked like we only got two options on offense. And then after them two, maybe, you know, we get we get some kickouts on the outside for wide open jumpers. But if these guys not open, they definitely not making it. And I think the reason why we was able to get back in that game and then eventually take the lead is because we was able to pound them inside. We got multiple people in the on the bench that can come in and post up and um take advantage of their smaller matchups. And and on defense, on defense they turned up the heat. Oh my god, 14 minutes stop at time, stoppage time. That's crazy. But basically, man, I'm going to OU versus Kansas in January and I'm very very worried. I say that when Kansas at home went to overtime with they went to overtime with some inferior opponent. I think it was like Southern Utah or something. Like, I just, I couldn't believe it. Still, still, I'm very, very worried about that game. It just doesn't look like from the eye test we have much of a chance of winning and uh, ending our streak, our losing streak at Allen Fieldhouse. It just doesn't look like it. It's not looking good. They look very pedestrian on offense and inconsistent on defense. I'm glad we kind of had the option of putting Jalen Hill on everyone's best player. Oh, it was Southern Utah. They went to overtime with Southern Utah. Kansas did. When they were telling me to score real time, I was like, Oh, man, that doesn't mean anything. I'm like, man, Kansas is going to turn up on them, man. They just playing with them. They're going to turn up. They never did. It was a close game throughout. Unbelievable. But I still think that the Sooners are in trouble when they go to Kansas. We'll see how things develop, but it doesn't look good from the little bit I saw. Now, that block by Tanner Groves. I think that's that's the one with that got less playing time, right? The the skinnier one. He made that clutch block because they were trying to foul us down three. 
And for whatever reason, they didn't call the foul. They got the steal. Looked like they were going to go for an easy dunk, and my man blocked it. And it was ball game from there. They got to they gotta figure some things out. Because against tougher competition, because South Alabama really only had one guy that was killing us. People like Kansas, teams like Kansas and Baylor, they got multiple players that can hurt us. And they're even better on defense. So they're going to they're gonna have to figure this out. Or it's going to be a wrap. Now, speaking of Oklahoma basketball, the Thunder, real quick, the Thunder came to D.C., Right before I left to to come to Oklahoma, the Thunder were in D.C. I skipped the game because I had to play in my own game, which we won by 20. Um, They came back from down 17, and SGA had over 40 points. He's on my fantasy team. They won because SGA hit a step back with one second to go. I'm like, this guy's cold-blooded. This guy's like that. I didn't think much of him until I saw him play in Brooklyn last year or earlier this year. This guy's the real deal, and he's going off, scoring about 30 points a game. This guy's the truth. And I'm not mad that the Wizards lost to them, but they lost to them. They got everyone back. I think Bradley Bill played in that game. Well, he definitely played in the Heat game right after that, which we almost lost, almost, but we won that, and Bradley Bill had 27. But, you know, the Wizards losing or losing and winning these close games against decent teams, I guess that's okay. It looks like the Wizards are going to at least go to the play-in. They're too talented to not at least go to the play-in. I thought that all along, but when they went on their losing streak, I thought doom and gloom, and I was warming up to the idea of Victor Wamanyana, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. That's fine. He's probably going to terrorize us for a decade plus. It's okay. It's okay. It's a team game anyway. We build a solid team. We don't have to worry about Victor Wambignana. He's one guy. And he's probably going to go to a terrible team. <laughs> but if that goes, if it goes well, though, you can win a few titles. If it goes well and you put the right team around him, you can win a few titles. Just saying. Um... I'm going to skip the caps because I just know they all cap. I mean, I don't even got to <laughs> I don't even got to look at it. I know they all cap. I'll talk about them next episode, I promise. Uh next episode will probably be Sunday, next Sunday, probably after the Thanksgiving games. Um probably after the college games too because I got to wait and see how Michigan Ohio State plays out cuz that game is huge. That is, this is the biggest Michigan-Ohio State game, not only since 2016, but definitely since 2006 when they were 1-2. and two. This reminds me of that. The loser is probably not making the playoffs. Well, no, Ohio State's still probably going to be in it. Michigan's probably out. So, 
This is a very important game, especially for Michigan. Now, here we go. Well, Ohio State could be out too, depending on. I, I just, the teams that are behind Ohio State and Michigan, they just, they're not that good to me. Or they, they keep falling or faltering. Faltering. Like Tennessee. Tennessee lost to South Carolina. And he lost their quarterback for the season. They're out. <laughs> They're out. I mean, come on. Oregon has lost. But, you know, TCU is squarely in it. Then you got to deal with the USC and LSU. Um, both of them definitely could lose before the playoff committee meets for the final time. So, I, I don't know. The loser of this game might not be out. Because of what's going on behind them. But it's definitely going to make it tougher if they lose. Just saying. Anyway. Thanksgiving FanDuel or DraftKings. I'm probably going to play DraftKings. But, okay. Here's who I'm looking at. I haven't put it together a lineup yet. But I'm really looking at Josh Allen. You know, because I ran some simulations on NFLGameSim.com. I think that's the site name. And it just looked like Josh Allen's going to go off. Uh, the numbers on Cowboys, Giants, and Patriots, Vikings don't look that great. Especially since I don't know the the Vikings offense is going to recover against the Patriots another tough defense with a really good pass rusher so i'm looking to fade that but then again a lot of people are going to pick on the bills and lions because the lions defense well it's not terrible it's just inconsistent so and in every simulation i've run josh allen has even in the simulations where they lost Josh Allen has ran for touchdowns, ran for a bunch of yards, threw for a bunch of yards. Stephon Diggs got his share. Um, Jamal Williams got a bunch of touches. Uh, Monroe St. Brown got a bunch of looks. And when I ran simulations on Cowboys and Giants, Saquon got a ridiculous amount of carries. And sometimes Pollard got more carries and sometimes Elliott got more carries. But it was leaning towards Pollard. And it just looks like the Giants and Cowboys look like a game that's going to be kind of low scoring. And also, in every Patriots-Viking simulation I ran, Mac Mac, Mac Jones threw a pick. So I'm going to start the Vikings defense for sure. Now, I got the Vikings defense, but these guys, all these guys are expensive, man. They're going to be expensive. I don't know how I can pull off having Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, uh, Jamal Williams, and maybe Tony Pollard. Like, I got to figure out a way to have all those guys. You never can go wrong with Justin Jefferson, even though he's going to be expensive. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, someone to look at, of course. Going against his old team. No, he's going against the Patriots. My bad. Still look at him. 
Uh, Devin Singletary is underrated play. Just that game is going to be interesting. But I guess if I was to guess ownership and what people are going to pick are going to stay away from, they're probably going to stay away from Patriots Vikings. So I might want to look at that game a little bit harder. But I'm definitely picking the Vikings defense. That is for certain. Now the rest of my lineup I have to think about. I have to think a little harder about ownership. I could go against the grain, and even though the simulations say that Mac Jones will definitely throw a pick, maybe I should still pick him anyway because <laughs> no one's going to pick him. Out of all the quarterbacks, him and Daniel Jones are the worst ones. Maybe I should pick them because they're not going to be owned as much. And then I can load up on position players and have the Vikings defense. I'm just I'm just brainstorming. I'm just brainstorming. Uh, if you want to play, whether it's for free or or paid, uh, you're welcome. You know, it, it, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Now, my predictions for the Thanksgiving game is uh, my predictions for the Thanksgiving game is I got the Bills over the Lions. I got the Bills over the Lions. I'm going to say 30 to 20. I got, I hate to say it. Nope, nope. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. I got the Giants over the Cowboys 17-16. That may not be the score, but I got the Giants by one. I got the Vikings over the Patriots. The Vikings will rebound. I got the Vikings winning 24-17 over the Patriots. So, yeah, freestyled the Thanksgiving picks. So, real quick about the World Cup. I filled out the World Cup bracket for Fox in their $1 million contest. And listen, I got Spain and France at the end. All the analysts and all in 538 and every expert you can imagine has picked Brazil. I'm going to fade it. I'm going to fade it. It's just it seems too good to be true. It seems too easy. And the second pick is Argentina. Now, now I did look at 538 and who they have winning. Spain and France came in second and third. So I'm like, hmm, I got France winning it. I guess mostly because Mbappe, mostly because of him. So <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I got Team USA, just like everybody else, got them in the round of 16, but losing to Netherlands. Uh, already the World Cup has started, though. Uh, Ecuador beat Qatar, and it should have been a lot worse than 2-0 from what I've seen. Qatar just looked like they didn't belong. Ecuador, Ecuador was just too much. They had a lot of shots on goal. And I'm looking at Iran and England, and that's a tragedy too. It doesn't look like Iran is even close to England. So if USA loses to Iran, just pack it up and come home. Because what are you doing? That should be a dub 
for USA when eventually they do play Iran, that should be a dub. Because, like, come on. <laughs> come on, man. But, um, dang, man. USA and Denmark, right? Or it's one of these, uh, it's one of these European nations that is in there with uh, Team USA. It's going to be tough, but they can do it. Oh, it's Wells. It's Wells. Um, Wells got Wells got Gareth Bell, if I'm not mistaken, right? But overall, it just looked like on paper they're a better team. On 538, they look like the better team. But we'll see. We will see. So now it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. The hypothetical game of the episode this week is a turkey bowl between the 1999 Penn State Nittany Lions and a 1999 Virginia Tech Hokies. Last week, 1999 Penn State Nittany Lions beat the 2021 Wisconsin volleyball team in a game of tag slash hide and seek. Now they're playing against a team that lost in the national championship in 1999, a team that was undefeated until they ran into Florida State, and Florida State was just too much. A team that has Michael Vick on it. Michael Vick was the star of the 1999 Virginia Tech Hokies. And, of course, Penn State, you got LeVar Arrington. So LeVar Arrington versus Michael Vick, heck of a matchup. Great matchup. On the surface, and usually the Turkey Bowl is between my fantasy football league versus some celebrities. Usually is that, but I'm going to give my fantasy football league a break this time. And maybe I'll just use my fantasy basketball team and we'll come back for Christmas time. Anyway, <laughs> that should be fun. That should be fun. I don't know. I don't know how many points I'm going to score in that game, but I promise you we ain't losing. Well, I say that now. <laughs> I say that now. We'll, we'll see when the time comes. Anyway, uh, let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. So at the beginning, the defenses are holding strong, and then Penn State, uh, starts to get things going. Harris had an 11-yard run. Eric McCoo had a 13-yard run. Uh, then first and goal at the six. Thompson, the quarterback, is picked off in the end zone. Then the uh, Virginia Tech Hokies, after a few short plays, they go, Vic goes 57 yards to Davis. A long game, and they're deep into Penn State territory. Stiff, Stiff later runs it in for a one-yard touchdown. 7 nothing, Virginia Tech. Penn State answers immediately with a TD. With a long drive, and uh, Thompson passes to Johnson for four yards. 7-7. Stiff had another long 
had another big play, uh, 38 yards on a draw play on second and 19. But their drive stalled in Penn State territory, and they kick a field goal, 10-7, Virginia Tech. Thompson to fields for 26 yards, but on third and goal in Virginia Tech territory, Perry, the running back, was tackled for a loss of two. So they had to settle for a field goal. So it's 10-10 in the second quarter. Virginia Tech kicks a field goal. Then Penn State offense stalls. And a long kick return by Virginia Tech to the Penn State 32 sets up another field goal as time expires. 16-10 at halftime. Virginia Tech. The defenses came to play in this game. Doesn't surprise me from Penn State in they had three All-Americans on defense. So it makes sense on their end. But things get interesting after that. Immediately in the second half. Immediately in the second half. On Virginia Tech's first drive, Vic throws a TD to win. Not win the game, but guy with the last name win. So let me... <laughs> Let me check this guy's name. Let me let me check this guy's name. Um, what the heck? Browning win. Yeah. Uh, Vic threw a TD pass to Browning win, and it's twenty three ten because twenty two ten because the extra point was no good. Another long run by Stiff, who is killing the Penn State defense, leads to a field goal from Virginia Tech. 25 to 10. Now, Penn State offense pretty much disappeared for the rest of the game. They couldn't really get anything going. Virginia Tech was unreal. And uh, going into the fourth quarter, they still had a chance. They still had a chance. But with 10.59 to go in the fourth quarter, Chiron Stiff with another long run for TD. 32-10, Virginia Tech. Now, both offense begin to stall, but Virginia Tech really puts all doubt to rest with a TD run by Andre Kendrick, 39-10, to and then he had another one after getting the ball back, 46-10. to And Virginia Tech rolls. For this hypothetical game of the episode, Turkey Bowl, I ran it through what if sports, and that's what happened. Um, Virginia Tech Hokies win 221 yards rushing from Virginia Tech. And the funny part is Michael Vick had negative four yards rushing. <laughs> that's the funny thing about that. He had negative. He had negative four yards rushing. That's the funny part about it. Now, Siron Stiff was the player of the game. 26 carries. 156 yards. I'm trying to see how many touchdowns he had. Uh, he had that one late in the second half. He had one, two touchdowns. Yeah. But he had several. He had a few long runs. But yeah, that Virginia Tech team really could have won it all. 
you know, they ran the ball really well, and Michael Vick was just unbelievable. So, you know, I'm not not really surprised. I'm surprised it was 46 to 10, <laughs> especially since Penn State was in it the entire time. But that is your hypothetical. That is your hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. Hey, GoatLevelTees.com for everything. Goat Level, I'm telling you, we're going to turn up soon. I keep saying that, but I'm telling you, it's never too late to get on the bandwagon. So you already know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.